Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Wednesday, June the 21st of 2023. Sportspeed is coming to you live on 960 AM WSBT, live streams at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app, video feed right now on the free Twitch app. Hope you're having a terrific Wednesday. We appreciate you joining us here on WSBT radio. Sportspeed will wrap up tonight right around 645. South Bend Cubs baseball tonight from Four Winds Field as they take on those Fort Wayne Tin Caps, the Padres affiliate. South Bend has lost eight of nine. Eesh. They are not going to qualify for the postseason in the first half as they've been knocked out of that race. Cedar Rapids won the first half of the Western Division, but still you can't beat fun at the old ballpark, friends. Hot dogs, beverages, conversation, nice weather. They'll have it all at Four Winds Field tonight, Fort Wayne and South Bend. 7.05 first pitch, and of course, the game right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage will get underway at 6.45 on WSBT Radio. Tonight, our hat trick of opening topics features Notre Dame football recruiting news, a little Irish hockey conversation, and a lot of buzz all of a sudden surrounding the NL Central. We've got our hat trick of opening topics in just a second. Twitter question of the day on the way in a little bit here on the 5 o'clock hour. At the bottom of the hour, 
We are going to dig into Notre Dame football recruiting with one of the experts, Kyle Kelly, Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He's going to join us to talk about the verbal commitment that the Fighting Irish picked up today, which we'll talk about in a moment, and also the tight end the Irish got over the weekend in Nate Roberts. So Kyle joins me in about 20 minutes. Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka hops on the program. His normal time slot, Wednesday at 6.06. Tyler's going to join me. We're going to talk a little bit about Sam Hartman and some of his difficulties against ACC opponents the last two years that he will face this year as a member of the Fighting Irish. And I'll also ask him, which quarterback does he fear more? NC State's Brennan Armstrong or Duke's Riley Leonard? We'll talk to Tyler coming up in just about an hour. And also another installment of our sports wagering talk. We go into Sizzler 2-2 two and two last night. And that brings us to 38-17-1 for the month of June. And tonight I am relying heavily on the White Sox doing some really good things against the Texas Rangers. I'll explain coming up here at the end of the program right around 6.30 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The program begins with three topics packaged together in our hat trick of opening topics. And on this day in which we are 66 days away from the Notre Dame football opener in Dublin against Navy, you can hear it right here on WSBT Radio, August 26th at 2.30. We begin with Notre Dame football talk, but recruiting talk. We're talking about the future of this Fighting Irish football program. And today, the Fighting Irish got a verbal commitment. And it comes from the secondary. 2024 safety, Tabron Benny Powell has said yes to the Fighting Irish. 6-1-170 from Westchester, Ohio. Played outside linebacker at his high school last year because they had a couple of elite safeties on that team. More on that in a second. On three, which is tied into Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, they've got Benny Powell as the 77th best athlete in the class of 2024 the number 61 prospect in the state of Ohio. On yesterday's program, Fighting Irish football recruiting insider Mike Singer joined me on Sportsbeat, and he set the table for the possibility of Tabron Benny Powell verbally committing to the Fighting Irish. Singer offered us some insight and some background on Tabron Benny Powell. Yeah, this is an interesting one. You talked about kind of some of those, like, highly coveted ranked guys. It's not Tabron Benny Powell. I mean, he's ranked in the thousands, Darren, uh, a three-star across the board. So this is a quick rundown of the safety position. Kennedy Urlacher's committed, Brian Urlacher's son. Tay Johnson is announcing a commitment this Saturday. I would guess Notre Dame or Purdue. I like Notre Dame, so there's two. And then there's Ziggler, who we just talked about. There were so many safeties on the board. We went. I had fans asking me, Mike, what are we going to do when all 18 of our safety commitments want to commit at the same time? I'm like, hope you get to that situation. That's basically my answer. Um, and, and, you know, I'm embellishing a little bit there. But 
the board has basically shrunk down to, again, outside of Tate Johnson and Kenneth Urlacher, Tabron Benny Powell, who the staff just offered Thursday after seeing him run really well in the camp and they liked how he moved. Um, you know, Malcolm Ziegler, who we just talked about. And then Davis Andrews, the, uh, the safety out of Utah, who's um, taking an, a Mormon mission trip after high school. So if he commits, you know, he wouldn't count towards um, until the 2026 class after he would take a two-year mission trip. So I like Notre Dame to land Benny Powell. He has a commitment set for Wednesday. I mean, you've got to assume it's going to be Notre Dame. So the question then becomes, you know, can Notre Dame take Malcolm Ziegler? Do they want to? Would they even get in a position where they can take him? So that's kind of the, the rundown of the safety board. And again, as far as Tabor and Benny Powell goes, um, look, he's a Cincinnati kid. And, you know, Notre Dame, between Marker Stream and Chad Bode and Mike Mickens, I'm sure there's others, have pretty strong ties in Cincinnati and the, the head coach of Lakota West. Um, you know, absolutely swears by this young man, uh, Benny Powell. Here's the, kind of the interesting thing of, uh, I think, a big part of why he's flown under the radar. Um, he had, you know, the, the, his high school had Ben Minnick, a Notre Dame safety signee on it last year. And Malik Hartford, a four-star, you know, All-American Ohio State safety. So you have two of these, again, Notre Dame and Ohio State safeties. Where's Benny Powell going to play? They kind of had him as like a rover, like that role that we're used to in Notre Dame's defense, played up on the line of scrimmage at times. And he had a pretty good junior season playing out of position. Again, he ran really well. Notre Dame was told 4-5-9, 40-yard dash, which is really good for, you know, going in your senior year of high school. Um, and, and it's a strong time for a safety at his size. So um, Notre Dame saw what they liked at, at camp, ran well, covered well. Um you know, again, the, the high school coach there who Notre Dame's worked, or, you know, Notre Dame staff from Cincinnati's worked with for a long time, swears by him. Uh, other factors as well. He's a really bright kid. This went really well. So, um, and you look at the uncertainty of the safety board. I think this one made sense for, for Notre Dame's not going to get the fan base fired up. Um, you know, probably a three-star projection guy at this point. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll trust uh, you know, it, it's up to you if you want to trust the evaluation or not, but Notre Dame's rolling with their own, and uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes there. Recruit and then develop that player, and let's see how this individual can help the Fighting Irish in the future. Safety Tabron, Benny Powell commits to the Irish today, joining Kennedy Erlocker as the safeties in the class of 2024. As Mike mentioned, Kennedy Erlocker, the son of, uh, Bears legend Brian Erlocker, 6'1", 180 out of Chandler, Arizona. On three lists, Erlocker as the 60th best safety in the class of 2024. And Erlocker picked the Irish over schools like TCU, Kansas State, Miami, and Kansas. But today it's Tabron Benny Powell verbally committing to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And the Irish now have 20 commitments in the class of 2024. Hat trick of opening topics number two. Let's spend a couple of moments on fighting Irish hockey. The hockey season will be here before you know it. We just had the Stanley Cup awarded last week, but the college hockey season gets underway October the 7th. That's the first time you can play a regular season game. Normally, the Irish play an exhibition game 
on the Sunday before the regular season gets underway. So I would assume that's a possibility once again this year. But something different in college hockey. There's been a lot of debate about adding coaches to college baseball. Well, the NCAA approved the addition of a fourth coach for college hockey this year. So for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, you've got longtime head coach Jeff Jackson ready to go for another season here in South Bend. And the two guys that have been with him every step of the way here in South Bend, associate head coaches Paul Pooley and Andy Slagert remain with this Fighting Irish hockey program. But now with new rules, you can add a fourth coach. And Notre Dame stayed within the Irish family to fill that vacancy. And the newest coach for Notre Dame hockey is Brock Sheehan. Brock was a member of the Fighting Irish Hockey Program. When Jeff Jackson arrived, Sheehan played for Notre Dame from 04 to 08. A very technically sound defenseman for the Fighting Irish Hockey Program. Years later, was an Irish volunteer assistant coach. Spent time as the head coach of the Chicago Steel in the United States Hockey League. And last season had the opportunity to be a head coach in the American Hockey League, which is the top minor league of the NHL. He was the head coach of the AHL's Washington Capitals and a winning record for Brock in charge of that Capitals farm club. But Brock has decided to come back home to be Notre Dame's fourth coach and picks up the same label as Coach Pooley and Coach Slaggart. Brock is an associate head coach now of this Fighting Irish Hockey program. Being around him when he was an Irish volunteer assistant coach, first off, very, very bright when it comes to the technical side of hockey. I think he has a great personality, works well with young men, and I think he is a terrific fit for this Notre Dame hockey team that will be starting with a new look this year. Now, there's a lot of familiar parts back. Ryan Bissell returns for one more year in goal. You've got guys like Trevor Janicki, Landon Slager, Justin Janicki leading the way as older players on this hockey club. But after having a lot of grad transfers, and there are still a couple of those coming in this year, you've got a big, big freshman class. And this is the perfect time to add a fourth coach when you think about you have to groom these young freshmen into the system, teach them how to play at the collegiate level, teach them how to play Notre Dame hockey. So Brock is a perfect fit at this time. And let's face it, in the next couple of years, who knows, Coach Jackson might head toward retirement. Hopefully that's not the case. I mean, he is absolutely married to this great game. He gives it his all during the hockey season, and I would hate to see him depart anytime soon because I think he has a lot of great teaching ahead of him. But if we get to the point, you have to start thinking about the future. Here's a guy that could be a leading candidate to be that next generation of Notre Dame hockey, and that is Brock Sheehan, who is going to be an associate head coach this year, and let's see what that means in the future. Down the line, I think he'd be a really, really good fit and the perfect person to 
grab the torch or the baton from Coach Jackson if that day arrives, which, again, hopefully is not anytime soon. But you leave pro hockey where you're an AHL head coach to be an associate head coach at your alma mater. Back in college hockey, it is great to have Brock Sheehan within the program once again and a big, big add. You've got Jackson, Pooley, Slaggart, and Sheehan as your coaching staff, folks. That is absolutely top-notch. These young men who are going to play hockey for the Irish under these four, they're going to be basically in class every day listening to what I would say are professor-like coaches here at the University of Notre Dame. 522, our final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. All of a sudden, there's buzz around the NL Central, and the buzz most of the year has been about how awful it is, and rightfully so. The buzz has been about who's going to win this division, and whoever wins it probably will be making a quick exit from the National League postseason. It was a division that was supposed to be won by the most talented team in the division on paper at the beginning of the year, the St. Louis Cardinals. They had deficiencies, including in their starting rotation, but I felt like they would still have enough to overcome the rest of the division. Cardinals sit in last place, eight and a half games behind the red-hot Cincinnati Reds. For the first time since 1957, the Reds have won 11 games in a row. They won again today over the Colorado Rockies, 5-3 for their 11th consecutive victory. And all of a sudden, the Reds, with all that young talent, De La Cruz, McLean, India, the old veteran Joey Votto coming back off the injured list. The Reds are in first place, 11 wins in a row. They are 40-35. and 35. The Brewers are starting to fade. They're now 38-36. and 36. They've lost 7 of 11. They've lost 7 games in the standings to Cincinnati in the last 11 contests. Brewers a game and a half back. And the Chicago Cubs have won 8 of 10. They won again today against the Pirates. They swept Pittsburgh with an 8-3 victory this afternoon. Cubs are 36-38, and and folks, they are only three and a half games out of first place. And oh, by the way, who has the best run differential in the NL Central? It's not the Cincinnati Reds. They have the third best. It's not the Milwaukee Brewers. They have the fourth best or second worst. It's the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs run differential right now this year, plus 26, next closest, the Cardinals at minus 7. Reds, Brewers, Cubs, all within three and a half games of each other. The Pirates are five back, St. Louis, eight and a half off the pace. And the Cubs now head to London to play this weekend against the Cardinals. And it will be Justin Steele pitching for Chicago on Saturday. And then Sunday, it's going to be Marcus Stroman. So all of a sudden, the NL Central's kind of cool with the exciting Cincinnati Reds and their young talent, winners of 11 straight games, and they're now the leaders in the division by a game and a half. It is 525. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Coming up next, we'll turn our attention to Notre Dame football and Notre Dame football recruiting. Kyle Kelly, a writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated, 
He's going to join me to talk about Tabron Benny Powell picking the Irish today, Nate Roberts picking Notre Dame over the weekend, and what might lie ahead for Coach Freeman and his staff in terms of recruiting in what could be a very busy month of July. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Continues now. Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch on the three-yard line by Jaden Thomas. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Caught on the one-yard line and into the end zone. Tobias Merriweather, first catch of his Notre Dame career, goes for a touchdown from 41 yards out. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Setting up Estenay over the middle, 25-20. He'll score. 10-5. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Your time is 531 on this Wednesday evening. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, 66 days away from that season opener against the United States Naval Academy in Dublin. Well, it is great to have you with us on this Wednesday evening. We're going to spend a little more time on Notre Dame football recruiting right now. We told you about Tabron Benny Powell, a safety in the 24 class, picking the Fighting Irish earlier today. Let's get some more insight on Benny Powell as we welcome back to the program Blue and Gold Illustrated Notre Dame football writer Kyle Kelly, who has followed this recruitment pretty close. Kyle, good to be with you today. How are you? Likewise, Darren. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Greatly appreciate your time this evening. So Tabron Benny Powell picks the Fighting Irish today. He's an Ohio kid that he's on a defense on a high school team that had two premier safeties, so he played, it sounds like, a little linebacker last year. As you watch Benny Powell on tape, what are some of the things that stands out to you that you believe this coaching staff feels like this is a kid who could help him, or I'm sorry, help them later down the line here in South Bend? Yeah, I've been uh, fortunate to see Benny Powell, and he goes by BP. That's a big, big deal for Notre Dame. They Everyone's excited to call him by his new nickname, but <laughs> I've seen him on uh, three different occasions uh, part- or play in person, the first one being on a Friday night game. Um, I saw him at the Under Armour Next Camp in Columbus last month and saw him at Notre Dame's camp last week. And the one thing that really impresses me about Tebron every time I've seen him is he just gets bigger and bigger. He looks like a Power 5 prospect, a Power 5 level prospect and before Notre Dame offered him he only had about five power five offers and I just always thought to myself why isn't it that this you know this kid is getting more interest from some of the top collegiate programs Um, he plays on an outstanding team at Westchester Lakota West High in Ohio Um, as you mentioned he had two talented safeties kind of in front of him more or less with Ben Minnick uh current Notre Dame freshman and Malik Hartford, who's going to be a freshman at Ohio State. So he had to play out of position there. He played kind of like an outside linebacker um, hybrid safety role, which kind of fits in Notre Dame's defense as a rover. But Tebron is a, a true strong safety. And 
I think that, you know, watching him compete in Notre Dame's camp on Thursday, uh, you saw some of the skills that uh, made him a power five recruit. He's just got to become more comfortable at, at playing safety. Uh, but, you know, like I kind of mentioned, his, his size is just super impressive. He's six foot two, uh, 190 pounds. And um, the Notre Dame coaching staff moved really quickly on this one. They offered him on Thursday. Um, uh, they offered him on Thursday uh, to Brian silently committed on Friday and he revealed his, uh, public commitment today so this uh all came together fast and notre dame's got a uh, prospect from lakota west that seems to be ascending for the uh, second second or second straight season kyle when you take a look at some of the rankings of bp nothing really stands out he's in the thousands overall in the 24 class he's in that athlete category i'm assuming mainly because he was playing that rover type linebacker last year rather than being projected as a safety at the collegiate level. So this is an interesting guy, but I think a lot of Irish fans see those numbers like, wow, wonder what the Irish see in him. Do you think one of the major reasons why he's not ranked very high was the fact he was playing, I don't want to say out of position, but he's not playing the position he is probably going to play at the collegiate level. Yeah. I, you know, I think that is part of it. Um, as I mentioned, he, before Notre Dame offered really hasn't had a lot of the, the other power five schools coming after him. So for the most part, um, you know, kind of a under the radar, well, he is an under the radar prospect. Mm -hmm. So I think that in his rankings sort of reflects that Uh, the encouraging thing about the rankings is, you know, we still have about seven, seven, eight months to go in the uh, 2024 recruiting cycle so there will be a lot of uh, changes to the rankings. And now that he has, uh, you know, committed to Notre Dame and he's going to be playing in position, you know, I really expect him to uh, climb up, you know, the board uh, on all the, um, you know, primary media outlets. And, you know, he, I think when you watch Chebron, you see a guy that has potential to be a highly rated three-star or even a four-star recruit. It's just really going to be reliant upon his senior season and just so much of this recruitment is deja vu from a year ago when Notre Dame offered Ben Minnick from Mm. Lakota West. And uh, at the time, you know, Minnick had more power five offers just because he was an outstanding track athlete. He had a blazing time in the hundred meter dash Uh, to Bron. He runs a 4.6 second, 40 yard dash. Uh, So he's fast, but he's not Ben Minnick fast. But what you saw at a minute is with his senior season, he climbed up the board. He ended up becoming a four-star recruit. Then he ended up finishing the cycle in the top 300s. Now with Tebron, it might be a little bit more difficult being that he's kind of a lowly rated three-star right now. He's The primary goal for him will be to be kind of working up into the high 80s and like 90s level range in terms of the rating and hoping that, you know, a high three-star comes out of that. Uh, but I think that it's all going to be dependent on his senior season, of course. And, you know, I think there's a lot of signs for Notre Dame to be encouraged to think that they might have found a uh, eventual diamond in the rough. Kyle Kelly is my guest, Notre Dame football recruiting writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. So, Benny Powell joins 
Kennedy Erlocker as the two safeties in the 24 class. Now, Kyle, the bus is getting pretty full for the class of 2024, but there are still a few empty seats for Marcus Freeman to fill. And based on the safety board, do you think there's a chance Notre Dame could continue to add at the safety position in this class? Yeah, that's the uh, big question right now. You know, they do have two safeties verbally committed, as you mentioned, with Erlacher and Benny Powell, and they're turning nicely for a third with Tay Johnson from Fort Wayne Northside High. He's scheduled to commit on Saturday at 10 a.m., and I, the Irish really like their position there. And I, I think at Blue and Gold, we've been pretty optimistic about him ending up in the class as well. So if Johnson indeed picks the Irish, that would give Notre Dame three verbal commits at the safety position in 2024. Uh, now, in terms of the guys kind of left on the board, um, it's pretty much just right now Malcolm Ziegler, who on, on three has as a top 100 recruit. Um, he comes from the state of North Carolina. He officially visited last weekend. Um, another guy that might be worth monitor, monitoring is Oliver Miles from uh, Texas, a, a three-star safety that visited Notre Dame the weekend prior. Uh, there, I, part of the reason the Irish kind of moved on Benny Powell so quickly was just because some of the vibes they were getting from Miles. Um, he had visited Stanford the week before. He was at Texas Tech last weekend. So that recruitment kind of seems like it's trending away from Notre Dame. So Malcolm Ziegler is primarily the name to know. Um, there's also a, another 2024 safety from Utah, Davis Andrews, uh, but he is trending to uh, take a LDS Latter-day Saints mission, which will delay his enrollment two years until the winter of 2026. So he doesn't really factor into Notre Dame's current re recruiting class. So the big conversation among the coaching staff right now is just figuring, figuring out whether or not that they can take four safety commits in this class. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, there's a chance that Ben Minnick and Adon Schuler, their two freshman safeties, are the only scholarship safeties on the roster after this season. I mean, there's a chance, you know, Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts could come back, but uh, the, the safety depth chart is slim. So uh, it, it almost feels like Notre Dame should be encouraged to keep pursuing Ziegler, um, but that's ultimately a decision the staff's going to have to make over the next couple weeks with Ziegler eyeing a July decision. Kyle, last weekend, Notre Dame got a commitment in the 25 class from tight end Nate Roberts. What impressed you about the newest addition to the Notre Dame tight end room? Yeah, this was a uh, great pickup for Notre Dame. I wrote my uh, five thoughts column, um, as I do with each commit on blue and gold. Anytime Notre Dame gets one of those guys in the fold, we Mike Singer and I always have a lot of content. I'm usually in charge of giving some thoughts on behalf of, you know, Mike and I on, on the commitment. And uh, the one thing that stuck out about Roberts is I was doing some research and he's only one of three um, tight ends basically right now in his class that had Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma on his offer sheet. Uh, I, another note about Roberts is he was the only prospect, uh, tight end prospect that Clemson has offered so far in the 25 class. Now the, the Tigers are notoriously super picky about the prospects they offer. 
usually when Clemson sends out a scholarship offer to a, rec- a recruit, it is committable. So that's why you don't really see Clemson offering a lot of uh, players compared to other schools. So that was like the one thing that initially uh, stuck out about Roberts. And then you start to dive a little bit deeper into the sort of player um, that Notre Dame's getting and uh, just a tremendous ap- athlete. Uh, it, it's so easy to try to compare and contrast guys to Michael Mayer. And, you know, there might never be another Michael Mayer at Notre Dame, but Roberts is a guy that could be in his own conversation to put himself uh, right in that conversation in the record books with his talents. Just, just as a sophomore, um, I, I know the competition is different um, compared to what Mayer saw as a high school senior in Kentucky, but when Mayer won Gatorade Player of the Year um, in his home state, you know, Roberts was only about 150 yards and a couple touchdowns away from matching uh, Mayer's production as a high school senior. And Roberts has two years left, and there's a lot of signs to be encouraged or lots of encouraging signs about the, the development that uh, could take place for him over the next two seasons. I, I think that this is a, a guy, Jared Parker, uh, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator and tight ends coach, can be super excited about uh, to mold the offense around him moving forward. And it will certainly be a guy that uh, could potentially become one of C.J. Carr's, the 2024 verbal quarterback commits, top targets uh, in terms of the you know the future outlook of the program. Kyle Kelly, Notre Dame football Recruiting writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And I guess, Kyle, when you take Nate Roberts in the 25 class, you've got Larson in the 24 class, and it sounds like Notre Dame might add another tight end in the 24 class. We are starting to see the development of the future of the tight end position at the University of Notre Dame. Do you like the looks of what the Irish are creating right now for the future tight end room? I think so. Um, you know, Larson is a player that all the recruiting or most of the recruiting services have listed as a three-star recruit. And I think a lot of that is because he's a little bit on the smaller side standing, you know, I think right around six foot three. You know, typically you want these collegiate tight ends to have a couple more inches. I know Mayer was right around six foot five. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why, you know, Larson is, not really sought after from a a rating standpoint. Uh, You know, maybe there's some questions about the athleticism there as well, but I I think a lot of people forget that Larson had a lot of the same offers that Roberts did, uh, was being recruited by Ohio State, Texas A&M, Alabama. You know, all these schools going to Charlotte Catholic in North Carolina for a tight end. Um, So there's a a lot of reasons to be excited there. He's a tremendous pass catcher we saw him last high school football season make some just absolutely ridiculous catches so that that is a great prospect that I think is being tremendously underrated by a lot of people and you you mentioned with Roberts you know that gives Notre Dame two commits lined up for the future Um, but they're also working on a third with Ainsworth uh, Nebraska High School's Carter Nelson who's a top 100 player. He's being recruited by every single school in the country. Uh, Georgia is super hard after him. Um, Nebraska is doing everything they can to keep him in the state. 
But that's a player that Notre Dame would just love to have. He's an outstanding athlete. He's His pole vault in track and field last year uh, was among the best in the country. And we're talking about someone um, that lives in a one-stoplight town and plays eight-man <laughs> football, but is truly being recruited as if he was, you know, a prospect from Texas or Southern California or Florida, some of those great high school football states. So if Notre Dame can get Carter Nelson in the fold and that pair him alongside Larson and then have Nate Roberts uh, following him up, I really do think that Notre Dame can put itself back in the conversation to be tight end you. I, I think Georgia kind of has that right now with Brock Bowers, you know, coming away with the, the award for the best tight end college football last year. They've had some tremendous success as of late, but I will not put it out of the question uh, for Notre Dame to put their hat back in the ring if they get Carter Nelson uh, in the mix. One final question for you, Kyle. Just in terms of Irish invasion, the evaluation camps, how beneficial are those camps to the Notre Dame coaching staff and their evaluation of talent? So I would say they might not as be as valuable as they were in the past just because there's so many other um, ways for the coaching staff to evaluate recruits. I mean, they're, they're on the seven-on-seven circuit. There's, they're allowed to go see, see them work out. Um, I should clarify, coaches are not allowed to watch um, recruits compete in seven-on-seven in person, but there's certainly highlight tape, and these guys, a lot of them play football uh, year-round and have seven-on-seven tournaments with their high school teams in the summer. Um, you know, and, of course, there's a the game film. But with these evaluation camps and then the Irish Invasion, which is pretty much Notre Dame's premier camp where they like to invite a lot of the guys they're really giving a close look at is this is just a great opportunity for the coaching staff to get these kids on campus and work out right in front of them and have them do drills they want to see them uh, participate in and and gather their athletic testing numbers, uh, watching them compete right in, you know, in front of their own eyes. So, it pretty much is invaluable when you think of it that way, just because Notre Dame, like this, it's just, you can't really compete with getting to work out right in front of the coaches. I mean, these these camps are structured a lot like a Notre Dame football practice. All the assistant coaches are out there. They are instructing the recruits. So there, there's just so much that can be taken away from that. And we've already seen about 10 um, scholarship offers go out this summer to campers and uh, Notre Dame's uh, third evaluation camp will take place Thursday and who knows there could be a couple more offers to come out of that so um, certainly beneficial for the coaching staff and a great opportunity for recruits as well as this if they're not you know necessarily getting uh, looked at by Notre Dame um, just a great opportunity to get there and make sure that the, the Notre Dame staff gets a set of eyes on them. Kyle, just a few moments ago, I was looking at the blueandgold.com website, and for subscribers, there are a lot of articles to choose from today, including I know you have a lot of information up right now on Tabron Benny Powell. Yeah, we have a, a lot of content rolling at Blue and Gold uh, right now. Ever since our uh, addition of Jack Sobel to um, counterpart Tyler Horka, we've just had the, the content's been flowing, I guess. I mean, we're looking at 12 stories a day and 
Um, there's a lot happening, believe it or not, um, at a slow time of the year. We're still finding things to write about, and there's a lot, of, lot to be excited about for the upcoming season. So you can definitely give us a look at blueandgold.com on the uh, on three network. And if you don't have a subscription yet, whether we always have some sort of deal for you. So uh, definitely encourage any Notre Dame fans to give us a glance um, at blueandgold.com. Kyle, thank you so much for your time this evening. Really appreciate you joining me and passing along your insight on Notre Dame football recruiting, including the latest commitment in the class of 2024 safety, Tabron Benny Powell. We now know his nickname is BP. We might have to go by that since he's got a long name. So, Kyle, thank you so much. We'll be in touch really, really soon. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Dan. That's Kyle Kelly. Check him out at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Notre Dame football recruiting writer at Blue and Gold. We'll take a timeout. Twitter question of the day coming up in a couple of moments, 551 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 555 and WSBT, Darren Pritchett with you. My Twitter account, at 960 Sportsbeat. Yesterday, we asked you this question. Which NFC North quarterback will throw the most touchdown passes this season? The obvious four choices, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings, Jared Goff of the Lions, Justin Fields for the Bears or the Packers, Jordan Love. After adding up the votes, coming in fourth place, Getting 10.6% of the vote. Green Bay Packers quarterback Jordan Love trying to replace Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love last year, 21 pass attempts, one passing touchdown. That was against the Philadelphia Eagles. Third place in the voting. 23.4% of the vote went with Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff. Goff would have been my pick if I would have had a vote. Goff had 29 touchdown passes last year for Detroit, and the offense has a chance to be even better this year when you factor in Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. His ability to catch the football, get out in space, and accelerate by the competition. Jamison Williams eventually will join the wide receiving core. Lions have a tough schedule, though. That could be a factor. Which NFC North quarterback will throw the most touchdown passes this year? Second place in the voting. 29.8% go with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Well, you got arguably the best wide receiver in the league on the Vikings and Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen leaves the team. And Jordan Addison from USC takes his spot, so... Good chance there could be a lot of touchdown passes for Cousins, and I think they'll be behind more this year, which might lead to more throwing and more touchdown passes by Cousins. He had 29 last year to match Jared Goff. But winning the vote, could it be team bias? You voted Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. He will have the most touchdown passes this year in the NFC North. 36.2% say that Fields, maybe they're thinking he's going to double his touchdown throws from last year. Had 17 last year. 
possibly some of those rushing touchdowns become passing touchdowns. Staying in the pocket more, better protection, hopefully better wide receivers with DJ Moore, and let's see what the Bears get out of Chase Claypool. But you believe Justin Fields will have the most touchdown passes among quarterbacks in the NFC North? 36.2% of the vote. We thank you for voting. Here is today's question. Which of these statistics will be greater during the 2013 regular season? We have a potpourri of answers. Justin Fields rushing touchdowns. Audric Estime's rushing touchdowns. Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson's game started. Or the Notre Dame football win total. Which number will be greater this year? Fields rushing touchdowns. Estimates rushing touchdowns. Richardson's game started for the Colts or Notre Dame football's win total. Cast your vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeep. We'll talk Notre Dame football with Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated coming up in a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison, three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. So Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown, Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. Welcome back to Sportsbeat. We kick off the 6 o'clock hour with Notre Dame football talk featuring Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football insider and beat reporter Tyler Horkey joins us every Wednesday at this time to talk Notre Dame football. We are definitely in the dog days of the middle of the Notre Dame football offseason. I know practice is going to be here before you know it, but this is, I guess, kind of the calm before the storm. Yeah, big time. And uh, I was actually, I'm not going to reveal the date because I'm sure that Notre Dame wouldn't want me to do this, but I will say that fall camp is coming a lot sooner than it normally does because Notre Dame is playing week zero. So uh, I I will gladly take this downtime right now because I know the full swing of things is right around the corner and it's coming quick. So uh, I'll I'll take the downtime, Darren. Absolutely. And I've heard that same date and yeah, it's going to be a little different this year. And I think it's going to be fun for Irish fans. Well, good to be with you as always. I think back to earlier this year, you went through every Wake Forest football game and broke down quarterback Sam Hartman and what he was able to accomplish last year. And now as he prepares to be the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish, he is going to face five opponents this year from the ACC slate that he has faced the last couple of years. In fact, I kind of broke down the numbers of the five teams from the ACC that he will face this year. He faced them nine times over the last two years. Only Pittsburgh he faced once, but in those nine games, he threw 16 interceptions, including six against NC State, three in 2021, and three in 2022. Having been one of the few Irish fans or media members that watched every one of his throws last year, is this just a random stat? Is it anything to be concerned about? Is it a big deal? Well, it's twofold, I think. Uh, There's a couple parts to this. 
obviously some of these defenses know Sam Hartman because they saw him for not just the last two years that you speak of, but really for five years. You go back to his freshman season, I think he played Notre Dame that year, ironically, Mm -hmm. but he started nine games, and he was Wake Forest's starting quarterback uh, until he went down for the year, pretty late in the year, with an injury. And then, of course, he had to win that starting job again. But the ACC is very aware of who Sam Hartman is, his tendencies, what he likes to do, what he can't do so well. And I think we've talked a lot on this show, and it's been written about other places, including blueandgold.com. He struggles against pressure a little bit, and there are five starts. He started 45 games in his career. Five times he's thrown three or more interceptions. He's facing teams that he went against in four of those instances this year. So that's going to be interesting. You mentioned NC State. Two of those games were against NC State. Uh, I believe one was against Pittsburgh, or maybe two mm-hmm. were, were against Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm blanking on one of the others. Um, yeah, oh, Louisville. Louisville as well. Yes. So, uh, yeah, those teams kind of know what they're doing against Sam Hartman now. I say it's twofold because there's another part of this, and I'll make a, a little analogy here. Do you think that Tom Brady was going to be as good as he was against the Jets, a divisional foe, when he was on the Patriots of the 2000s or stick him on the Buffalo Bills of the 2000s? Do you think he's going to be as successful as he was against those guys Mm -mm. or against the Dolphins or or anybody else on the Patriots or any other team that was not as good around him? I think that's what we're going to see with Sam Hartman. You stick him on a Notre Dame team that recruits pretty much top 10 nationally the last few years, especially with Marcus Freeman, I mean, fringe top five. I think Notre Dame was number seven or eight in the recruiting rankings last I checked. So he's going to have better players around him. Uh, The wide receivers are unproven, but I think they're really talented. The freshmen are going to be good. The offensive line should be really good if they can figure out the guard spots. You have two NFL tackles. (laughs) Sam Hartman did not have NFL tackles at Wake Forest, so that's a plus. You have an NFL running back in Audric Estime. So I think just the entire operation around him is going to be better, and he's going to be better against those teams from the ACC that we were talking about as a result. I want to talk about Jadarian Price for a second. Running back for Notre Dame, we didn't get to see him last year due to the Achilles. He dazzled us in the blue goal game two springs ago. We all know Audric Estime is the workhorse, the number one running back on this football team, but you're probably going to see three guys at running back in each game this year. That's the rotation that Notre Dame uses. I'm really intrigued by Price, and I don't want to get into the comparison game. I'm just making a general statement. But I really love the way Georgia Tech and Alabama used Jameer Gibbs, a guy with electric speed. He could run between the tackles, run to the outside, and was terrific at catching the football. And now he's a Detroit Lion and a first-round pick. Again, I'm not trying to compare the two, but I just wonder if Notre Dame might be able to, later on this year in the future, make Jadarian Price that type of weapon? I think so, for sure. I think there's a lot of different directions Notre Dame is going to go with, not just Jadarian Price, but the running back core in general. I I sit here right now, we mentioned Audric Estime a couple of times now already, and we're only, I mean, we're less than 10 minutes into this thing. He's your number one guy. Beyond that, I don't know if Notre Dame knows who's going to be number two, and I think we've talked about this before. It could be Devin Ford, the Penn State transfer, it could be Javon Payne, who was looking really good in the spring. But 
I think without even having a carry to his name at the college level, Jadarian Price could become this team's number two running back sooner than later. Now, if that's the case, that's going to look a lot more, not not to the full extent, but it's going to be more Estime, Logan Diggs, than Jadarian Price having this special role and, uh, you know, trying to make him Chris Tyree, but as the number two running back. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're going to see him in a more of a traditional role, but if you go back to that blue gold game from 2022, uh, everyone talks about oops, there's there's Siri going off on me on my uh, on my Apple Watch. Sorry about that. That's but okay. um, <laughs> if you go back to that blue gold, <laughs> it's always something. You go back to that blue gold game in 2022. Everyone talks about Jadarian Price. We kind of tend to forget that his rushing statistics weren't that great that day. I think he averaged mm-hmm. a couple yards per carry, but he caught nine or ten passes for over 100 yards. He took one 55 yards or whatever it was to the house and outran a couple Notre Dame defensive backs to get there. So I'm with you in the sense that he might be a little bit different. He might have a Jameer Gibbs gear to him. And if that's the case, then absolutely you have to utilize that because at at this level of football, you have to exploit mismatches. You have to use your most talented guys in ways that, Give them a better chance to score, a better chance to succeed. I do think Jadarian Price is that guy. The one thing that we have to figure out with him is, and it's different for everybody, I mean, Achilles is nothing to mess with. What does he look like coming off of that injury? I've seen some places that Marcus Freeman has said that he is full go right now, which was supposed to be the case. Midsummer was always his timeline. Uh, these things are getting expedited by, by the surgery. It seems like they get back faster and faster, but – he is definitely at the top of the list of guys that I want to see in fall camp, where he's at, and how Notre Dame is going to use him. Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football insider, beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Since coming up with the next question, I've seen a graphic put out by the ACC Network, and they have a graphic that states you need one game-winning touchdown drive. Which ACC quarterback are you taking? They list five quarterbacks. Cade Klubnick of Clemson, Riley Leonard of Duke, Drake May of North Carolina, Tyler Van Dyke of Miami, and Jordan Travis from Florida State. All very, very good choices. The question I want to ask you is, which quarterback, I guess from a Notre Dame perspective and, of course, your vision as well, which quarterback do you fear more between these two? Duke's Riley Leonard or NC State's Brennan Armstrong, who's not on that list, and I understand it, Virginia had a new scheme last year, and he had a dreadful year. But the year before, I'll tell you what, he was as good as anybody in the country. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And I think those those two games right there are going to be pretty difficult for Notre Dame, both on the road. Like you say, both re- really good quarterbacks. I would probably lean Riley Leonard in this just because I think there's a lot of factors with the transfer uh, with Armstrong. Obviously, he's back with his old offensive coordinator that he used to have at Virginia, the, the one that he put up all those numbers with. But it's a new school for him, uh, a lot of pressure on him to kind of make this last season in college football his very best. And ironically, a lot of that, you can say the same of Sam Hartman at Notre Dame as well. But I, I think that Riley Leonard has a lot going for him in the sense that he's entrenched. He had the year. He, he's coming off a year that Armstrong is not. Leonard had the year that kind of put him on the map. You've got to go back a couple years now for that to be the case with Armstrong. So I think Duke is on the rise a little bit. I'm not so sure about NC State. I think they're going to be competitive, 
I think that is a little bit of a trap game for Notre Dame going there as the first true road game of the season. And, and Armstrong is a big part of the reason why, but I don't know. I, I think Leonard uh, might be more of a complete package as well. He's a little more athletic than Armstrong. Uh, not as gimmicky and scheme oriented. I think he's just mm-hmm. a really good, really talented quarterback. So uh, that's probably the reason that he's on that list that you mentioned. And just hearing that list, though, if I'm a Notre Dame fan, I am very, very happy that you got Jordan Travis as maybe he was a freshman a couple years ago when Notre Dame or maybe a, a retro sophomore, something like that. He was young when Notre Dame went and faced him at Florida State a couple seasons ago. You got Drake May last year as a sophomore. Those are two guys that are landing all over Heisman Trophy list, uh, along with Sam Hartman. Uh, kind of happy if I'm Notre Dame that in addition to, to Klubnik, like you say, with Clemson, and then obviously Caleb Williams with USC, uh, a five-star quarterback in Kyle McCord at Ohio State, Notre Dame should be very happy that a Drake May and a Jordan Travis is not on that schedule as well. It's interesting. Duke went 9-4 and four last year, and I've seen over-under win totals for Duke at 6.5, and, and you look at the schedule, you see why. Teams not on last year's schedule that are on this year's schedule for Duke, Clemson, Florida State, and Notre Dame. That's how your win total goes down in a hurry, even though Duke yeah. might be better. Yeah. Overall, as a football team, they've got a very difficult schedule this year. Notre Dame defense, who do you think will end up being the face of the 23 defense? I think people will hear that question and laugh in your face if you don't answer with Benjamin Morrison, but (laughs) I'm not so sure it is going to be Benjamin Morrison because I think quarterbacks are really going to try to stay away from him this year. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't get six interceptions again. You look at the list of players uh, I mean, Kyle Hamilton is on this list, uh, even Harrison Smith, if you go back over a decade ago, of players who had a lot of interceptions early in their career. I mean, I'm talking half a dozen like men, like Morrison had last year. That's usually the highest they ever get to in their careers. And, you know, they could be seniors who only get an, inter- an interception or two because quarterbacks know who they are and they stay away from that guy. So, Morrison's going to be good. Is he going to pick off six passes and, and be the story on defense like he was last year? I'm not sure. So if you take him out of the equation, now it's starting to get a little more difficult, though, because you have the three linebackers, the graduates, but do you really think one of those is going to be the face? I mean, two years ago, I would have said Maris Leifau, absolutely. Then he breaks his leg, misses an entire season, didn't have his best year last year. So I'm, I'm not sure he's in that conversation or Bertrand or Kaiser or any of those guys. I might go wild card here and say I wouldn't be shocked if Jordan Botello ends up with 10, 11, 12 sacks, kind of mm. has an Isaiah Foskey type of year. So, again, I think Morrison is the safe pick, but if you're looking at the end of the year and you see that he only had two picks, don't be like, oh, he had a terrible year. That's not the case. I think he's going to be a factor. He's going to oppose. He's going to be a menace for opposing quarterbacks, but – In the end, a defensive lineman has more of a chance to affect every single game because he's out there, and the one thing he's trying to do every single rep is go get the quarterback. I think Patello's going to be pretty good at doing that this year. So I'm going to go wild card pick and say Jordan Patello. Let's end with this. I had a Twitter question of the day recently. In 10 years, the Fighting Irish will be fill-in-the-blank. And it was a tie vote for first with Notre Dame still being an independent and the tie was with being a member of the Big Ten Conference. Now, the other choices were the SEC and the ACC. I don't think that is realistic. I think the fans got it right. It's going to be one of the two. And 
TV deal. It's going to have a lot to do with the fate of Notre Dame and maybe the ACC not collapsing because they get, what, $15, $20 million from the ACC each year. So hypothetically speaking, how would you answer that question? Ten years from now, the Irish will be? I would have put um, an answer that says no – no conferences exist at all. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a guru in this, but man, it just seems like things go so quickly. And uh, the, I mean, Jack Swarbrick, right? The, the guy, the man who's on the way out after a decade and a half as the AD at Notre Dame, I think it was last year around this time, maybe a little earlier in the year where he kind of uh, either he, uh, I think it was an interview with Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty, or, or maybe it was his own op-ed like he's tended to do, to do recently as well. Basically, he said the destruction of the NCAA is coming, right, and all of these schools are going to try to operate independently. And at that point, the joke will be on everybody else other than Notre Dame because <laughs> Notre Dame's been doing that for over 100 years or whatever it's been, which is kind of cool to say if you're a Notre Dame fan. I think that's why – you like to hang on to this as long as you can. But uh, to answer your question, I would have penned in, I don't know, or, or whatever it is. I've said on your show before, I think it makes the most sense to join the Big Ten monetarily, geographically, logistically. It's just a great fit. I mean, academics. there's probably some – Academics, exactly. There's probably some very, very casual college football fans out there who know what Notre Dame is, where it is, and they just think, oh, yeah, that's a Big Ten school. I mean, that, that probably exists out there. Uh, hopefully not your listeners. I think they're all very intelligent, people of South Bend, very intelligent. But uh, that, that's probably a thing. So if you have to pick one of those, I would say Big Ten. And I think that's probably a little more realistic than saying Notre Dame will still be independent. If everyone's independent, then, yeah, absolutely. No, Notre Dame won the war. But if Notre Dame's going to be forced, forced to join a conference – I do think it's the Big Ten just for all of those reasons that I mentioned. It makes sense. The SEC doesn't make sense for so many reasons, and maybe one of the yeah. least important things is that conference has gotten to be just with Oklahoma and Texas coming. It's going to be unbelievable. They're going to have maybe six or seven teams ranked during the college football season, yeah. and it would not shock me if the SEC starts getting four teams into that 12-team field, which is really going to limit those oh, wild-card opportunities for the Fighting Irish. Oh, absolutely. That, that's definitely a thing. And I think the SEC likes that, the, the sure. expansion of the playoff for sure, because, yeah, it was cool when the SEC was getting two of four, but, but now you're talking maybe four, five, six of 12. And, I mean, that, that is a cash cow waiting to happen. Greg Sankey is loving every minute of what's happened in the last two years. No question. Hey, what's happening at blueandgold.com right now? Yeah, go to blueandgold.com. Uh, you mentioned the dog days of summer at the beginning of this. I, I'm just completely shocked at the amount of content that we're able to still put out there. I mean, Kyle Kelly is killing it with these recruiting scoops and all the camps that he's going to the intel that he has. Mike Singer has been doing it for years. Obviously, everyone knows him. But even our new guy, Jack Sobel, has just been awesome. And it seems like he's coming up with very interesting angles on Notre Dame football, uh, basketball recruiting. We've got it all covered at blueandgold.com. I think everyone knows that by now. But with the season really almost two months away, right about at two months, uh, it's definitely the place to be if you're a Notre Dame fan going into football season because we cover the, the iris like nobody else. And tomorrow, Tyler, as a Texas Ranger fan, is going to explain what blocking the plate means in White Sox-Ranger games <laughs> after what we saw last night. 
Yeah, I was there, and uh, it's crazy. <laughs> they really didn't explain it in the building. They just – the review came back, said he was out, and I was like, you know what? Maybe if he got under the tag, I will agree with that. But then I pop on Twitter after the game, and I see that that was the infraction, quote-unquote infraction, and uh, I kind of lost my mind uh, on the drive home. It was not a pleasant <laughs> drive home, I'll say that. It's bad enough all the tolls you have to pay between here and guaranteed rate field <laughs> on top of what was – I think one of the worst blown replays we've had in Major League Baseball in some time. They absolutely got it wrong, and the White Sox announcers said they got it wrong, and that's all you need to know. All right. Hey, Tyler, enjoyed the conversation. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Darren. Go Rangers tonight. Retribution tonight. There you go. The ball will bounce your way tonight. It has to, I would imagine. The ball knows, (laughs) right? Yeah, Paul doesn't lie. Thanks, Darren. All right, thanks, Tyler. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Always enjoy his conversation. Coming up in a moment, Sizzler. It has been red hot in the month of June. How did things go last night? Picks for tonight. That's on the way as Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on for this Wednesday evening on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 